title for today is Looks Can Kill. You know, you ever hear the saying, if looks can kill? Well, looks can kill, which we're going to see today, Matthew 5, 27 to 28. And I was going to show a video. Remember the guy who did um, the Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus? Jeff uh, Beth, I don't even know how to say his last name. But he did one on um, a marriage and, 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 and lust and that kind of thing, and it's really good. But you can't see it because our video projector was temporarily, I hope, borrowed. Uh, we're trying to find out where it went. So it looks like it's stolen, but we're hoping it was borrowed. So I'll be, you know, be praying about that. And so hopefully by next week, we'll be have, I'll be able to show the video next week, and we'll, hopefully we can track that down, okay? So that's, what, that's why there's no words up here if you, in case you came in too late to hear that. But anyway, it was a really good video. I wish you could see it, but I'm going to save it for next time. Because I'm not going to try to, I can't rap like he can do that rap thing. But it's, it's good. But, <laughs> I, wasn't in the, I wasn't in St. Tom, the Virgin Islands long enough for that. But anyway, the, uh, Jesus, we're going to have to go right to what Jesus said. Jesus, his, his words here in Matthew 5 are very convicting. I didn't want to warn you how convicting because I didn't think anybody would want to come. But very convicting. We've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, And we finished the Beatitudes, which were awesome. If you weren't here for that, get the tape CDs or the podcast, go on the podcast. But now we, he, Jesus moves from the Beatitudes to what the law really means. And he, remember we talked first about anger and murder, and he connected the dots for us. And today we get to an even a tougher one today, and he goes into what the law really, really means. So let's start with prayer. Father, what we're going to talk about today is really tough. For every one of us, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to have open hearts and to be recharged again for the battle, the spiritual battle that we're in every day, to try to be like Christ and and to live the life that you want us to live and to be free. Just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and, and move through us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I'm going to read a couple verses here. Matthew 5, I'm only going to get through a couple, but I'll read the little passage here. Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So 29 and 30, we're going to hit next week when we're going to nail stuff to the cross. So just kind of come prepared for that. But today, we're just going to look at verses 27 and 28. And he starts out saying, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. And and when he says, whenever you see Jesus in Matthew 5 saying, you have heard it said, whenever you see that, he's not referring to the actual law because the law does say seventh commandment don't commit adultery it does say that but when he but he's not referring to the actual law because he would have said it is written and he didn't say it is written so he's not talking about the law when he says it it is said he's referring to what they say what the pharisees and sadducees the 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 scribes were were teaching about the law and and what they weren't teaching god's law they would just teach their own version of the law or they would pile on a lot of traditional human teaching on top of that and that's what he's talking about their human teaching on law and the adultery because it does say don't commit adultery but they they are teaching a different version of this he makes a distinct distinction whenever he says you've heard it said they say he's talking about the shallow religious man-made teaching 
is what he's talking about. Now, Jesus goes on to give the real full meaning as God intended. Once again, I'm going to read the, the two verses here again. Verse 27, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, when he says, you have heard no adultery, the Pharisees stop right there. They stop dead in their tracks. The Sadducees stop right there. They, they put the brakes on and said, well, we didn't do that. In fact, their teaching, the human teaching that they did is they limited the breaking of this commandment, the adultery commandment, and the sin to the actual sexual intercourse with a married woman. Now, it doesn't say that, does it? But that's what they were teaching in Jesus' day. Like you had to have sex with a married woman to actually break this commandment. And as long as you didn't do the final act, it was all okay. Right up to that final act with a married woman, it was okay. Right up to that, whatever you did didn't matter. You didn't break that commandment. But as long as you didn't go through the final act with that woman, you did not commit adultery. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? That they would teach that? The religious teachers were teaching that? But don't we do the same today? <laughs> You know, is it what we do today? We may not actually have sex with someone. We may not actually commit, you know, sexual sin with someone. But we sit up and we watch TV all night and we watch sexual act after sexual act after sexual act. You can't watch much TV today, can you? Without seeing it on a continuous basis. Uh, we, even Christians, I, I've had Christians say to me, I, I think it's, I may, um, it's okay to look at the menu. You just can't order off of the menu. I hear Christians telling me that. You know, I'm like, I'm like, uh, was that an amen? No, uh, the, uh, I'm not kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The, uh, the, uh, it's, it's, it, it's crazy. Jesus says, don't even go into the restaurant. Forget the menu. He says, don't even go into the restaurant because it's a seed sin. Each of these sins that we're going to look at it, are seed sins. It, it starts with that first thought, the first thought. When I was a youth pastor for I was a youth pastor for ten years, and the kids used to come to me all the time, and they would say, "Am I still a virgin?" And I said, "Well, depends." <laughs> and and they would tell me what they what they were you know they would start to share what they're struggling with and doing, and and they would say, "Well, I think I still am a virgin," but I said, "But you just told me what you're doing. You're doing everything imaginable except for the final thing. You know, that's you're not a virgin. It's not about you know do you go through with the final. You, all those other things count too. You know, and 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 that's that's so many Christians fall into that trap. Why don't you know I'm still a virgin?" Uh, or even politicians do the same thing, right? I never had sex with that woman, right? Uh, anyway, I'm not going there. Uh, the wor- world's view. The, that's the world's view, though, isn't it? That's the world's view. They're only concerned with the outward conduct. You can be law-abiding as long as you don't break the law. You, the law is satisfied. The outward conduct. As long as it doesn't affect society. You can infect yourself all you want, Right? As long as it doesn't affect society, you can infect yourself all you want. But no, our sin does pollute other people. Example, porn. Pornography is so widespread. You can't, it's like air pollution. You can't stay away from it. You know, the, well, even the kids, they're on the computer looking for innocent things and all these crazy things come up. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, it's just everywhere. And, you know, we, we, the government view, the political view, the world's view is, society's view is, porn's okay, just don't act out on it. 
It's okay to look at and think about anything. Just don't act out on it. But the horrendous sexual crimes in this country, from many, many different kinds of sexual crimes, are exposing that lie. We allow our children to be poisoned from pornography on TV and movies and computers, all the way up through adulthood. And then we're shocked when they end up with these sick minds and do sick things, right? But it's impossible not to. That's, that's the lie of society. I was even on a committee recently in the community, and their goal was to help kids avoid destructive behavior, especially drug behavior. And I was on this committee and serving, and I was shocked to find out that on this committee that they, they didn't have any problem with pornography and kids having sex with each teenage sex. There was no problem. They just didn't want them to use drugs while they were doing those things. I'm like, hello, am I the only one? And I was, so I, I'm off that board. But uh, the, uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, <clears throat> the, also the religious view. It's not just the world, it's the, relig- the man- religious. When I say religious, I'm talking about man-made religion, right? The religious view is the same thing today. Just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what they were teaching. And Jesus said, you guys are clean on the outside, but inside you're filthy. You're whitewashed tombs, but inside you're full of dead bones. You know? That's what Jesus said. They had that same view. And the religious view is still the same today. Just like they said, it didn't matter you know, what you thought and what you did leading up. You just couldn't have sex with a married woman. That's a perversion of the seventh commandment. And, and, but it's still the same today, isn't it? I was reading a, a quote from Brigham Young. He, Brigham Young taught that you are not guilty of, of committing adultery until you, uh, until you had sex with an, uh, someone who wasn't your wife ten different times. You had to ten times had to have, commit adultery before you were guilty of breaking this commandment. Now, first of all, we know Brigham Young was one of the founders of the Mormon cult. All right? I know the media and politicians and even many pastors have backtracked on this, and they call it a Christian denomination. It is not a Christian denomination. It's a cult, a C-U-L-T cult. They have a different Bible. Read it sometime. It's not our Bible. They have a different God they worship, they have a different Jesus, and they have a different way of putting faith. And their idea of faith is really a work salvation. Their Jesus is, was a brother of Satan. Lucifer and Jesus were brothers. And, 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 and their God they prayed to was just like one of us. One, one time he was just like us, he just worked his way up into Godhood, and now he has his own planet. It's a cult. It's not even close. So don't fall for the lie of, of the whole Mormon denomination, and they're just brothers in Christ and all that. Don't fall for that. First of all. Second of all, no wonder it's so popular with people. You know, you can have, uh, commit adultery nine times and you haven't broken any, you haven't done anything wrong, right? So, anyway, uh, even many Christian, Christianity with a K, right? Christian denominations uh, and, and churches still get this wrong too and still are just as messed up. It doesn't, and I've, I've had discussions with these, these churches and pa- pastors and and, uh, and they say it doesn't matter what the Bible says as long as two people love each other and they're committed to each other. A couple teenagers, you know, a couple people, you know, as long as they love each other and committed to each other, it doesn't matter. They, they, they're not doing anything wrong. I, I know what the Bible says, but, but we just know that if people are committed and, and, and they're, it's, as long as they're consult, consenting adults, they're not hurting anyone. There's no, no hurt. And I, these are Christianity, right? And, and I, Hebrews 13.4 cannot be any clearer. Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage should be honored by all. 
It's not up here. I'm going to have to do it. Marriage to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. All sexual immorality, God will judge. Don't we can't? He's, God's going to judge it. God's going to judge us. Okay, it's very, very serious. Uh, we missed the real point. The world and the religious view misses the real point, it, and, and the Pharisees missed it. It's not just sex, but it's everything that leads up to it. Every action, every thought. Ouch. Every thought that leads up is breaking God's law. We're missing the whole point here. All is against God's plan for sex within marriage between a husband and wife. That covers adultery, that covers premarital sex, that covers homosexual sex, that covers pornography, that covers self-sex, that covers anything that involves an action or a thought outside of a husband and wife relationship. It covers it all. Sex is a beautiful, making love is a beautiful thing that God has given to a husband and wife to cement their marriage. It's the super glue that holds the, the marriage together. That's what it's intended. I use a, a, a nuclear energy. With, with nuclear energy, nuclear energy can be used for good. You can create energy and, and heat all the houses and, and run all kinds of electricity for people. But if it's used wrong, what does it become? A bomb. It's a bomb. And that's what lovemaking is. It can either be very positive, a force for good, or a force for evil. Evil. <clears throat> and that's why Malachi 2, 14 to 15 says, Has not God made them one? He's talking about a husband and a wife. Has not God made them one? Malachi 2, 14 and 15. In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit. And do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Guard your, we have to guard ourselves in our spirit. Husbands and wives have to guard ourselves in our spirits. Because it's, Jesus knew that the heart is the key. The heart is the key. And back in the book of, uh, ahead in the book of Mark, which we're actually in. <laughs> remember that? Uh, Mark chapter 7, verses... We're bouncing around a little bit between the Gospels. But Mark chapter 7, verse 21 to, 21 to 23. Listen to what Jesus says. For from within... Out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Jesus knew that it was the heart. And that's why in verse 27, but I say, but I say, I'm sorry, verse 28, but I say to you, back in Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery is not just physical. It's, the, it's not just the body. It's the heart and the mind. It's emotional too. Emotional adultery may not have the same consequences for in our society or even in a church, but... There's still justice, uh, emotional adultery is still just as serious to God and to us. Very, very serious. It's not just the action, but the thinking about it in God's sight that is a sin in God's sight. It's the thinking too. And that's what's going to steal our joy of our marriage. That's what's going to steal God's ultimate plan. He's not saying this to ruin things. He knows the right way that he's created us. He knows how we're going to reach our ultimate joy and fulfillment. And anything we do outside of that steals the fun, steals the joy. 
And that's why he, that's why he gives us these commandments to, to, to give us the ultimate life he wants us to have. And, and he knows that by breaking this, it will steal that joy. Most people, it's the, the thinking, this is why the thinking is so important. Most people who commit adultery, and I know a lot of us here have struggled with this, all right, don't just fall into bed someday with somebody. Most people I talk to, and I have a lot of pastor friends that have, 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 have fallen. They don't just fall into bed someday. There was years of compromise. Years of compromise. A lot of thought goes into it. A lot of thought. Some, and it's the same with staying pure. You don't just wake up and have victory over sexual temptation. We have to be totally dependent on God's grace. Totally dependent. And then we have to develop godly discipline. It's a battle. We have to battle year after year. And we have to develop a godly discipline. It's like developing godly muscle. It's just like lifting weights. You're developing godly muscle to fight that. still totally depending on God's grace. But we have to develop that godly muscle. How are we doing with this battle? This is a battle that never ends. Once it starts, it never ends. Bill Simons, we were just at his um, memorial service, and it was great. We got to see the Gellers were there, and uh, McBrides, and Starkey's. A lot of folks that helped us start this church. They're back at First Baptist. We got to see them. We had a really great reunion. But Bill, uh, Bill Simons Memorial, he was on our leadership support team, and he helped start this church. What a great guy, godly man. But I remember he, he was 92 when he passed away just recently. But I remember back when he was almost 80, we were, I was with a group of younger pastors, and we were sitting around, and we were talking to Bill, and we were, like, picking his brain over different things. And I remember one of the things that came up was sexual temptation. And I remember we were kind of, like, saying, Bill, when, does, when, does, when do you not struggle with this anymore? You know, when does it stop? When does the battle finish up for, you know, for us? You know, we're kind of like saying, now that you're older and godly and, and almost 80 and, you know, when did it stop? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, boys, he said, uh, I'm almost 80. And when it happens, I'll let you know. It never ends. The battle never ends. But God's grace also never ends. It's going to be, God's grace is always here. We never run out of ammunition. We will paintballing with the teenagers sometimes. You run out of ammo. You, with, with this, you never run out of ammo. God's grace is always there. No matter how many times we've got to fight this. But we need a battle plan. And you know what the battle plan is? Retreat. <laughs> Not charge ahead. It's a retreat. Let me explain myself here. We have to back up from the actions to the thought. That's what it takes. It takes a retreating to, to get victory over this. Maybe you're actually, we'll start with adultery. If, if you are caught in adultery, you're stuck in that sin or a, a cycle of this, somehow you have to back up from the adultery and, and, and because the battle has to start way before that. You have to stop the adultery, but you have to get back to what is feeding that adultery. So you have to get back to, forget the, the adultery action, but what's feeding that? And you, you try to retreat, you try to back up to what's feeding it. And maybe there's actions that are feeding it, like self-sex is feeding your, your weakness for adultery. But then you've got to even back up further from the action to what's feeding the actions itself. And maybe it's pornography, maybe it's what we're watching on TV or the movies or what we're reading or the computer. And what's feeding our struggle here? What's feeding this? Once we back up to the, what's feeding it, we're at a whole nother level now in the battle and another 
chance at victory. But then, not only what's feeding it, but it's not just what we're looking at, but then we have to back up another step, retreat another step to what we're thinking. What we're thinking. Because if you can move it back to the thought battle, now we're somewhere. Now we're really getting somewhere. Because, and, and if we can even back up to the first thought. You know when that first thought hits? If we can get to there and that's where we're fighting the battle. We just keep backing up the battle. We're not feeding it. We're not going to look at pornography anymore. But now we're backed all the way up to the, the, the thought. And we're, we're battling that first thought. When we first think of something or see someone or if something gets sparked in our head. Once you're fighting, once you can retreat to that spot in the spiritual battle. And it takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of help on us. Once we can get to that first thought, then the victory is winnable. And you know what? It's pretty easy, actually. Once you're fighting that first thought and you can fight, take captive that first thought, once it happens, that's when you have a serious, that's when we have a serious chance for victory. And I want to say something about thoughts here. Remember that the first thought is not a sin. The temptation is not a sin. In fact, Satan can put that first thought in our mind. Did you know that? Satan can put, he does, we know that, we can read the scripture. Satan plants thoughts. He'll put a thought in our mind, and then you know what he does? He accuses us. Oh, look what you're thinking. Oh, you're not a Christian. Oh, you're horrible. If anybody knew what you were thinking, that you, they would not want to be near you. And he put the thought in, and, and then accuses us. That's an important thing to remember. A temptation, a thought is not a sin until we own it. You understand that? It's not till we own it. It depends on what we do with that thought. It depends on what we do with that temptation, sexual or anything. Okay? It's not the first thought that's sin. It's the second thought and the third thought and the fourth thought, and then it becomes an obsession, right? That's when it becomes, uh, that's when it becomes sin. I heard somebody say one time that you can't help birds, a pastor actually, but I can't remember who it was. He said, you can't help the birds flying overhead. You just can help not letting them make a nest in your hair. Right? You can't help them flying over, but you don't have to let them make a nest. That's the whole, the whole point with this, right? It's not a sin to feel an attraction to somebody else, a sexual attraction. That's not a sin. It's not a sin to realize somebody's attractive. There's nothing wrong with that. We can't help but notice that, right? It, that's, just, that's just the way we are, we are made. It's normal. It's not, a, it's not a sin to even, even for, it's not even a sin if you realize someone from the opposite sex is attractive or someone of the same sex is attractive. That's not a sin. Even if, even some people struggle with same sex attraction, that's not a sin. It's what we do with that, that, that's, that it becomes a sin if we lust after that person. And that's why the Bible says clearly we must take every thought captive. And make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Great verse. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10.4? 10.5. Thank you. And so we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. That's a great verse. Every thought, there's like a screen there, a biblical screen. And it, and it hits that screen and Jesus says, no, you got to give it to you, Jesus. Or, or it's like a fastball coming at you. You're at a baseball game, the foul ball's coming at you. And you, you know, someone else, your dad or mom, puts up the dad, sticks a glove up, catches that ball. You, know, you let them catch it. It, it. That's the idea here. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Just because you are attracted to someone is not a sin. Just because you're 
tempted with a thought is not a sin. It's what we do with that thought. That's what makes it a sin. That's why it's very important. Are we flirting with or fighting sin? With the TV set? With movies? With music we listen to? With the way we dress? That can, are we dressing modestly or causing people to stumble? With the type of dancing that we do? With the computer? Are we going on the TV and blocking channels so that we don't have to deal with that? Are we blocking our computers? Or, or, or if not blocking, if you, you can use covenant eyes. We use covenant eyes at our house. It's a great computer program that shows what has been looked at and you get reports and you can go back and figure out who, who's looking at what and help them with that. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just something we all need, right? And, and Covenant Eyes comes from Job 1, I'm sorry, Job 31, 1 and 4, where Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Then in verse 4 he says, does he not see my ways and count my every step? He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Doesn't God see everything? He sees every, every time we look at someone or think something, he sees that. That's a great, that's a great verse to memorize, by the way. Are we, are we really being careful with this? Do we have accountability? We have a men's purity group. It's a great group of accountability. But there's other men's groups. There's a uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning group, right? Wednesday morning? Wednesday morning, uh, see Jeff or Brad. We have the, the men's account, the purity group. It's all in the bulletin there. We have, but also, um, maybe it's just a friend. Maybe you just have a friend that you trust. And it's got to be something you trust, all right? Don't, I have a rule, don't bleed around sharks, all right? But uh, it's a good rule. Don't bleed around sharks, especially with this. You, someone who you know will be confidential, a friend that you know will be confidential, and you share with them. And I, I share with people that, that I trust. And if maybe there's a certain temptation or a certain person that's causing you temptation, you share that with someone. Somebody you can trust, it breaks the power. When you share the secret of something, it breaks the power of it. And that's why the Bible says, confess your sins one to another, James. Remember, we did that in James. There's a power in that confession. Find someone safe. If you travel a lot, and a lot of you guys, a lot of people travel, do you have uh, safeguards in place with your spouse or another friend, and, and you're careful, and you know someone who's looking out for you and praying for you and asking you all those hard questions? Those are very important to have that. Uh, if you need something to share, talk to me. Ladies, talk to Kim. I know a lot of people are afraid to tell a pastor, you know. Listen, you know, I'm not going to be shocked by anything you say. I'm shocked when someone tells me they're not struggling in this area. That's, that would shock me. Not if you tell me you are struggling. That would not shock me. But what I, I'll try to do is team, team people up or help you find the right person to talk to or the counselor or whatever it takes. Uh, but we all don't be afraid to share these things with someone that you can trust, okay? And also there's a great book that's a great resource. It's called, um, there's a lot of good ones, but Every Man's Battle. And they've also written Every Woman's Battle. Because it's not just men, it's women too. And then there's every young man's battle and every young woman's battle. There's four different books now. Is there any more, Chuck? I know you give these out. Is there, four, is there more of them? Okay, there's all different versions of that. But great resource to read through, study with someone, get accountability. Um, and, but I want to, this is really convicting. But I want to give you hope today that we can fight this battle. We can fight this. It's important that we fight it. One of the main verses that we've, no matter what you came in here struggling with, you can start to gain victory in this area. A lot of victory. But it's a battle. 
It's all God's grace. It's going to take other people helping. But no matter what you're struggling with, even if it's something you're so ashamed of and it's sexually and you would just never want anybody to know. And listen, no matter what you struggle with, one of the key verses that we've used in this church many, many times, I, I hope you have it memorized. I can't put it up behind me, but I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 is hope that what, whatever we struggle, we can be free of, but also we can find forgiveness. Maybe you're hearing you're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Christ. You can put your faith in Christ and be forgiven no matter what you walked in with. can be forgiven and washed away, and God can make you a new person, progressively changing us. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 is one of my favorite. It says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And we could probably add to that list, couldn't we? Every one of us. And that is what some of you were. Don't believe the lie that if you struggle with any of these things, anything on that list, that that's what you are. Because... The Holy Spirit tells us that's what some of you were, past tense. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Justified, just as if I never sinned. That's what it means. And you can have that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And we can be washed if we keep coming to Christ daily, asking for that forgiveness, and keep battling, battling whatever we're struggling with. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time you've heard that you can become a new person in Jesus Christ, that you can be forgiven no matter what you've done, whether it's sexual sin or any kind of sin. You can be totally forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only Son, Jesus. Who never sinned, who never broke the law to die in our place on that cross, to take our punishment on himself. He was our substitute. And because of that, we can be totally forgiven by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. By saying, God, I turn away from sin. I repent of that sin and I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. Have you ever taken that step? Maybe the spirit is speaking to you right now. You don't need a special ceremony or religious rite. It's just a prayer from you to God. Right where you're sitting. Something like this. Just say, God, I I believe Jesus, your son, died for me. He took my place on that cross. I believe it. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my past life of sin. And I ask you to forgive me through your son Jesus, to forgive me, total forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life.
to Jesus. If you've put your faith in Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Fill out the card and stick it in the box on the way out. Tell me. Email me. Call me. If you're here with a friend, tell a friend. Tell somebody just so that we can be excited for you and, and help you to grow in your new faith. Because you're part of a, a, a family now, a spiritual family, the part of the body of Christ, and we're, we're here for you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Are we battling sexual temptation and all temptation? Are we battling? Are we fighting by God's strength, by God's grace, by his mercy, totally depending on his grace? Or is God convicting us of, maybe we haven't been fighting, but we've been flirting with something, and it's time to cut it out. It's time to cut this out of our life, which we're going to talk about next week, which we're going to nail to the cross. I want to encourage us to really pray about it this week and come ready next week to nail some things to that cross, some things that we need to cut out of our life. Maybe we need to commit to accountability today. Say, God, I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to find someone I can trust, and I'm going to share. I don't, I don't care how scary it is. I'm going to share this with someone because I want to have victory. Maybe that's your commitment this morning. Maybe your commitment is I'm going to cut something out this week. When I come next week to the cross, I'm going to nail what I've already cut out of my life. could be something good that's causing us to stumble. Father, I know that we all struggle with this area. And I know we'll always struggle with this area. Lord, I pray for conviction for each one of us, but I also pray for hope, a renewed hope that your son Jesus said this not to discourage us, but to encourage us. That we, he not only expects this, but he it will empower us to live this way. And Lord, whatever step of this battle we're on, I just pray you would empower us to retreat and get to the point where we're fighting it at the first thought and seeing victory. I pray you would strengthen our marriages. And for those who aren't married, I pray you would strengthen our purity. Lord, only your Holy Spirit can do this. With man, this is impossible, but not with you. All things are possible with you, God. I pray that in Jesus' name.